This episode of Spectre Cinema Club is brought to you by Leonard's Apocalyptic Support Group. Have you been plagued by horrible visions, talking to strangers in your dreams, or have an overwhelming urge to catch grasshoppers? Join us. We'll talk it over over arts and crafts and weaponry. Don't worry, it'll all be over as soon as you open your hearts to the power of love. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with horror subgenre. I am your co-host, Garrett McDowell, joining me on this fresh, piping hot episode. It's Devon Taylor. How you doing, buddy? Hello, hello. I was going to do a knock, but we got Cal settled for a minute, so I was like, no, I can't. I can't disturb <laughs> it, because I was going to do the five knocks, but, we'll, we'll but get, I was We'll like, get it in post. I, I, I will do it in post, actually. I, I kind of felt like, you know when you go see a movie and they like name drop the title like in the dialogue of the film, and you're like, oh, hey, it's, it's the thing, you know? <laughs> when they do the knock, I kind of wanted to be like, yeah, there it is. There There's it is. the knock at the cabin. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and in case you guys didn't uh, catch on, we are talking uh, M. Night Shyamalan's brand new movie at knock at the cabin um because we you know we want to uh for february kind of switch it up a little bit and uh previously we've done you know horror romances and then we did uh black cinema and horror last year mm -hmm. and this time i felt like it was like you know we haven't gotten to uh show enough love to a specific director yeah so you know love is in the air and uh uh, me and you, we both like M. Night Shyamalan quite a bit. Yes, yeah? we do. I'm a defender, uh, a, a staunch defender. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, a fanatic or anything. I, I can admit that there's some losses in there, but I think the record would show that he's got far more wins, and his wins are also like really solid wins. I, I think for his his uh, career up to this point, he's been one of those filmmakers that whenever they release a new film, I always get excited for it. I think he's finally in a space in his career now to where he's kind of found his wheelhouse. And I think that he's really sticking to that, understanding what maybe speaks to him versus what doesn't. He's also branched off into some TV stuff as well. Um, and I think that he's really just kind of cemented himself as, you know, maybe these big giant blockbuster you know with tons of action and special effects maybe that's not as much for him but movies like knock at the cabin i think is exactly the type of films that i like to see him make and we'll definitely talk about kind of the expectations people have going into his movies and just kind of the you know the the pedigree that he's kind of created for himself and what most people kind of uh, hope to see out of a Shyamalan movie which mm -hmm. I think is like a blessing and a curse in an interesting way yeah. which I'm excited to talk about um, but yeah this was one of my most anticipated movies of the year for sure yeah I mean I am also a big defender of the sham hammer and uh, because he is one of those directors that again for me I love you know films that you know when they come out and they're divisive you know mm -hmm. the, the ones that get people talking you know because again like uh, good, bad, or anything. I just want to feel something, For sure. and, you know. So whenever I see, uh, you know, a movie that ignites, you know, just like such staunch reactions and conversations, I can't help but love it. And yeah. like that's kind of what um, that's kind of what M Night has done, you know, for most of his career. And uh, his career has also kind of been based off of expectations. You know, he kind of sure. came out early in his career with these big hits and not only big hits, you know, things that kind of changed cinema in certain ways. You know, the way that people looked at twists, endings and movies, you know, yeah. not that they hadn't been happening for, you know, forever, but just 
Um, It's something about the way that he did it, um, you know, kind of changed the way that people watch certain films and, and, and it also kind of changed the way people watched his films, you know, and and that's where the, uh, the backlash has kind of come in at certain points when people are expecting a twist and then they don't get one or they don't like what the twist is or, um, or trying to, you know, figure it out and then uh, calling his movies predictable or something. And, and, uh, you know, so he's had uh, various different arrays. And I'd say the only two, like, you know, uh, you know, quote unquote misses are his like those the super big ones, you know, that um, he kind of had a little bit too much going on, a little too much freedom. Yeah. Whether that be uh, After Earth or like The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. But besides that, though, I like all of his films, at least it, to, to some degree yeah. on their own M. Night scale sometimes even. Yeah, I think... With those two films aside, because you will never hear me go to bat for The Last Airbender uh, as someone who is a big fan of the of the show, especially just uh, what what a picture. Good God. Um, I think even, you know, those films aside, I think his kind of valleys uh, in his career are still a cut above what I would expect from a lot of other filmmakers. Not that they're necessarily home runs or even that I like to love all of his movies, even the ones that just don't work for me or I I still find to be like really ambitious, super unique. I look at something like lady in the water. And although that might not be a lot of people's like favorite films, I'm not even going to act like it's, it's one of his best, but it's just like, talk about a swing, you know? And I just Mm -hmm. think there's so many filmmakers that are out there today that just don't take those kind of swings. So I would rather see him like swing for the fence and like whiff it. And then even still, I still have this sense of like, that one wasn't for me. Let's see what the next one is, you know. Yeah, and and I think when he is taking these swings too, it's, you know, it always comes from just like good intentions too. Like I don't ever like I would never call him indulgent anyway. Like he mm-hmm. he has these big ideas and he's just like he he's a dreamer. Like he just kind of is one of those guys like when you hear him talk in interviews about his passion for filmmaking and you know and just uh and kind of beating the odds has always been yeah uh in his in his um you know backstory to a degree so the fact that he is just somebody that's just like i just want to try things you know like and and the fact that um and you know he's kind of had these ups and downs these peaks and valleys and uh we're kind of in a in an upswing again you know he's had uh, he's been in people's favor ish mm-hmm. uh you know generally than what he was at least uh, if you if you would say you know yeah. 6 or 7 years ago which i honestly <laughs> I, I like i think it's a good thing for him because i think even in that kind of sense of like starting really hot with something like the sixth sense and people claiming that he's like here to you know bring a new era to filmmaking that he's like the next a-list you know uh spielberg level kind of director i don't know if i even like want him or need him to i guess more importantly to come with these like 10 out of 10 movies because i think that just adds even more expectations of like oh he's back where i'm kind of like he's been back for a few years for me like i thought the visit was a lot of fun and you know old might have not been my favorite but like i really like split so i kind of like that even with these new batch of movies they're not like the bad ones aren't terrible the good ones aren't like amazing you Mm -hmm. know in his top three best movies but they're just like yeah they're solid and maybe not great like i think that's a great kind of pocket for him to stay in yeah he's kind of you know been a he's still kept us guessing you know these past few movies that even like you said like 
you know, they haven't been, you know, maybe unanimously acclaimed, but, you know, but for the ones that that have hit, we've been like, oh, yeah, like he's doing his thing. And, yeah. And uh, and we love seeing M. Night do his thing. So uh, it'll be interesting kind of talking uh, this most recent one and then we'll kind of be working backwards as we talk some more of his previous films after this. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and get into uh, the movie for today's episode. Knock at the Cabin released February 3rd, 2023. This was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Written, uh, this was based off of a book by Paul G. Tremblay, but the screenplay was done by Shyamalan, Steve Desmond, and Michael Sherman. Uh, we got cinematography done by Jaron Blaschke and Lowell A. Meyer. A, uh, a nice score done by, let me, I, I was practicing this one before. Yeah, you just got to run through it. <sighs> just give it your best. Hurtis Stefanstadtor. Best, hey, that sounds pretty good to me. He's Hurtis after, uh, from now on, because we will have to talk about the score for sure. Yes. Um, edited by Noemi Catriana Prizwork. Man, um, I mean... All these names, very tough, but I do like that. It's like we obviously have a crew of a lot of people from different backgrounds. 100%. So that's very nice to, of course, <laughs> yes. to have, but uh, not for uh, doing these introductions. Um, box office will be TBD because at the time of recording, it just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was made on a $20 million budget. Um, and as it stands right now, Rotten Tomatoes has as a 67% on 162 reviews with a letterbox average rating of 3.2 out of 5. But of course, both of those are going to be changing in the next couple of weeks. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but let's go ahead and get into our initial thoughts on uh, Knock at the Cabin. And uh, I want to start with you, Garrett, because I already know you have a higher opinion than I do. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's one, like I said, uh, was one of my most anticipated films going into the year. Didn't have an opportunity to read the book. It was on my, like, to get to We don't know how eventually. to read. You guys know this. Uh, and it was on, like, the, I want to get to that because it was recommended. Uh, it was just, like, a big popular TikTok book. Uh, and I just never got around to it. And then the next thing you know, it, the movie's out. Uh, but from what I've heard, uh, only great things. And I've also uh, talked to uh, my, my roommate extensively about the, the book and the changes. So we'll definitely discuss some of those. So disclaimer, neither of us have read the book, but um, I, I know a guy, you know, <laughs> who did read it. And so that's, that's, you know, uh, as good as the next thing. Anyway, I think for myself, this was a, a film that did have high expectations for me, but not to the degree that I, I think allowed it to kind of stifle my enjoyment of the film. There was a lot of people that, I saw either online, um, like a dis a disappointing like amount of people actually, as well as people just like straight up in the theater that this movie doesn't have. I don't even know if it's a spoiler alert, but it doesn't even have like a sixth sense level twist at the end of the movie. It's pretty straightforward, and I heard a lot of people being like, "This this there's no twist to the movie." Like, oh, it's kind of lame. And I think for a lot of people, that is a reason that maybe they don't enjoy his movies going into them as much but for myself though i really enjoyed uh, this experience i don't think it's a great movie i don't even think it's like a super solid movie i think it's got really good performances i think it's directed incredibly well i think uh it's a very dynamic looking film i think it's blocked very well um i think Shyamalan is at his like most kind of creative directorially here um i think the performances are like i said really solid which is not necessarily a given with a lot of Shyamalan films. Um, I just think for myself, there's some issues with the screenplay. Um, there's uh, 
some some things that are made quite clear in the movie that I think a little obscurity would have really gone a long way for this film. I think that there's just so much that is just like not allowed to just be subtext or not allowed to be or not not allowing the audience and, and inviting them to dig deeper and to see what the film is trying to say. Unfortunately, it kind of gets a little cold feet towards the end of the film and just kind of tells you, you know, what's going on and and uh, what's some of the deeper ideas at play here. And I just don't think the film invites too much imagination. And I think it's it's quite obvious of what it's trying to do. Um, I also think that there are some tonal changes that are made from the book, again, from what I hear to this film being a bit more upbeat that I I don't think is necessarily a deal breaker for me, but I, I would have liked for that to be maintained a little bit because I think it's exchanged for something just a bit a little bit less interesting. Um, but still, we'll get into it a little bit more. I have complicated feelings on the film. I totally understand why people don't like the film. However, to those who are like, this film doesn't have a twist, so this is a bad movie. You're just kind of doing what happened with The Village. You know, you're just going in saying, like, this movie needs to meet me at my expectations, and if it's not that, then poo-poo on it, and it's a bad movie. I feel so frustrated with that. So to those who have seen the movie, kind of, you know, have an open mind. But it sounds like you didn't like the movie as much. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> man, this was, it was frustrating. Uh, you know, very excited, and again, I'm always uh, in M. Night's Corner. And, um, you know, he did the thing, this movie did the thing that I never thought would happen with an M. Night movie, and it kind of bored me. Interesting. And, like, that's the one thing, like, again, like, it, the things that I need out of a movie is make me feel something and don't bore me. Like, those yeah. are, like, my two biggest things. And that's two things I'm usually, again, like, always uh, can count on M. Night for. Even in The Happening, I'm never bored in that movie. For sure. Ever. Yeah. You know, so it's, like, the fact that um, this movie kind of didn't really move me. Um, on an emotional level, but then also just in on a uh, movie experience level either. I just kind of felt kind of flat by it. Yeah. Um, it, I did enjoy the performances and I liked the, the, the setup for the premise. Um, I think it's all fascinating. And again, yes, I didn't read the book either. Um, and this came out and uh, the book came out fairly recently, too, which I yeah. thought was uh, interesting. So it's like, you know, kind of already been hot on people's mind. Mm -hmm. um, so I can see people. Um, that have had who have read the book. Um, I see why they had the adverse reactions that they did to this because once sure. I saw those book differences, I felt the exact same Super way. Yeah. Which we'll which we'll get into. But um, you know, I I I I enjoyed the tone for the most part. Everything looks great. It's shot very well on a mm -hmm. very. It's technically very sound, of course. Like uh, the the score, I really enjoy uh, oh, yeah. some of some of the camera movements. I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, I like a lot of what is going on on the surface, but again, it just, uh, it didn't really have any impact behind it for me. And it yeah. just kind of, and not that it going straight forward and not having a twist bothered me because that's fine. Um, you know, the visit doesn't really have a twist either. And I mean, old has a reveal, but I still wouldn't call that a twist because it doesn't yeah. Change the movie at we'll, all. We'll talk about the visit. The visit does have a twist. Well, it, yeah. no, it. Well, yeah, it we're does. gonna talk. It totally does. Get well, we're gonna here. actually talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, stay tuned in a couple weeks to, uh, for us to talk about the visit. Yes. But, um, you know, but I, I, you know, I guess it is. It just depends on what your concept of a twist is. And, sure. And I sometimes get annoyed also with the, um. Oh, you know, we're gonna subvert by not subverting. Ha ha, I got you. And then, then I'm just kind of left with, well, okay, then. But now yeah. you didn't do anything though either. If you're like you're kind of just going that route, so because the movie is just like goes very straightforward. And 
uh, the middle gets a little repetitive for um, because of it, in sure. my opinion. But, um, you know, I like the tones going on. Um, but then, yeah, as soon as I saw those book differences, I was just like, ah, ah, ah. so, yeah, um, it was a it was a frustrating uh, experience um, to kind of say the least. But um, those are kind of non spoiler thoughts. So if you guys haven't seen the movie yet, uh, go ahead and pause this episode. Come back to us afterwards. But uh, we're going to do our 60 second synopsis and then we are going to dig in spoilers and all. Uh, are you ready, Garrett, for a 60-second synopsis? I'm very ready. Let's do it. All right. I got you on the clock here in three, two, one, go. Uh, you've got a young family of three who travel to this cabin for a vacation. Just a, a nice relaxing weekend in the woods. Just the three of them just uh, kind of relaxing. Uh, the girl's outside uh, playing with bugs, and this lumbering man comes up to her, uh, this strange man who she doesn't know. Uh, starts talking to her, tries to befriend her, and then eventually follows her inside of the house along with the three friends that he has behind him. The people eventually break into the house and propose this kind of impossible quandaries to this family of one of you has to sacrifice yourselves, and if you don't, the apocalypse is going to happen seemingly in stages or in waves. Uh, so the film is really this question of not only will this family make this sacrifice and make this impossible choice, but are these people lying? Are these people just crazy religious seconds. fanatics, or is the, the apocalypse actually upon us, and can this family do anything to stop it? There you go. Got you with three seconds to spare. I think that was one of my most sound ones. Up to that was this very point. nice. It was very concise. Thank you. Yeah, it was almost as if you were reading the back of a book. I did. I mean, that's <laughs> me putting it down right there. So thanks for that. No, uh, but yeah, I think that that's always been something that Shyamalan has done very well. Um, uh, I learned this recently. I kind of had this like misinterpretation of what the concept of a uh, 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 high what is the, a high concept like a movie like what exactly that means i think a high concept is generally seen as something that is like really heady and uh something like lady of the water which is like quite confusing and and, and convoluted i actually learned the opposite a high concept story is something that you can explain in like the, kind of like an elevator pitch and i think this is where Shyamalan really shines is having these high concept stories of hey this is a kid and he sees ghosts and talks to them uh this is this family who these kids go to visit their grandparents and crazy shit starts happening these people you know and then so on i think that that's where Shyamalan really shines um unfortunately with this movie he doesn't like quite stick the landing he doesn't like he like falls and breaks his knees or anything mm -hmm. but he like he falls and like kind of stumbles a little bit and then stands up tall it's just not yeah it's not like a I'm going to defend this movie till the ends of the earth, kind of like how I am with like shines uh, or uh, with signs. But for me, it's just like, yeah, it was good, but it, it could have been great, I think, is what's disappointing for me. Yeah, I mean, so so I do want to talk about because with the this film and the most recent film, uh, these are adaptations. These yes. aren't original ideas of his. So mm -hmm. like he is still working with these high concept ideas, but they're not his. Right. And I feel like I, you know, I feel like. It's interesting because that kind of seemed to be what out what undone or what undid him a little yeah. bit was when he tried to adapt Avatar because everything before that he was doing his own things. Sure. And then, uh, you know, Avatar, the last airbender comes around and, uh, you know, kind of botches it. And, yeah. you know, and then he does go to do a, another original idea and then that one flops. But then when he, you know, comes back with a visit, that was an original idea. Yeah. Split, you know, coming off of his you know, previous original ideas. Sure. And then now he's going back into this adaptation pool. Yeah. Which I feel like with old 
um, worked a little bit better because it was a very obscure work um, mm-hmm. that people uh, kind of didn't really know about. And he took pieces of it, but kind of made it his own thing. Like he basically sure. took the the beach part makes you old, but then yeah. everything else he kind of did his own thing with yeah, it. Yeah, it's like he read the back of the cover and was like, I'm going to make a movie of that. You Pretty know? <laughs> much. And then, you know, but with this one, you know, he kind of goes, you know, aside from these, you know, major detours. He, got, he does stick pretty close to the book in certain angles. Like when you kind of read the side-by-sides of the summaries, they're pretty close, except for... To a point, yeah. Which again, is like, a question, uh, I guess, let's ask. Are we spoiling the book in the in the in in this discussion, or are we going to try to preserve that for I, some we, people? Uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to. I, I don't I don't know if we're going to be able to have a productive conversation dancing around sure. um, the, this, uh, the ending of the movie or book, so... So, uh, yes, uh, this will be a spoiler for the book and movie. I yeah, think. unfortunately, yeah. A spoiler of two people who, again, to reiterate, didn't read the book. So it's it's literally like, I heard this crazy shit that happened. Hey, that's know? what people are doing on TikTok, too. <laughs> exactly. You know, the people on yeah. TikTok are going, hey, I heard about this thing. You should check it out. But they probably haven't read it either. Yeah. Um, so so I do find it fascinating that he um, is going back into the adaptation well and uh, the differences that that makes. Um, but before we dig into the story a little bit more, let's see uh, what subgenres we got going on here. Um, of course, we got like a single location thriller going on in the apocalypse. Um, but what were some uh, things that were sticking out for you? Uh, I think the film does have this very mysterious sort of quality to the movie, which is something that is uh, found in lots of Shyamalan movies. Uh, old being like a recent example of these things are happening, but you're not really sure why um, and trying to figure out with this movie in particular it's trying to uncover if these people in this who is have invaded this cabin are full of shit you know like are they this these crazy fanatics are they bigots even because this is obviously like a same-sex couple and are they just attacking them because of that specifically or did they target them for any particular reason beyond what they're you know trying to tell this family that they are actually trying to uh, you know prevent the apocalypse so when you're watching this you're really having this sort of push and pull of take you know like the credibility of these mm-hmm. people who have broken into this house um and beyond that i think that this film does have a, like a tragic sort of angle to it i would classify this as a tragedy um i think it is going towards this kind of inevitable conclusion of tra- tragedy and either way it really is kind of like a the, the trolley car sort of you know uh question of well are you going to sacrifice one of your family members obviously this impossible choice or go down the road of the apocalypse again assuming that these people are actually sort of telling the truth uh and the longer you watch the film you kind of realize it's like oh shit this is actually true so still kind of waiting for that conclusion but either one is pretty tragic you know yeah Yeah, um the the mystery angle was the part that definitely did not work for me um, and we'll kind of get into that here in a sec, but um, I do want to touch on uh, the psychological drama aspect did work a little bit um, as far as it being layered in different ways of, um, you know, the, the two main characters not only yeah. challenging, you know, their own inner beliefs, but then um, like so it's like they're challenging their own inner beliefs. And then they're also challenging like their selves within their relationship. Like, okay, like I know you are this kind of person. This is where you would lean, but Mm -hmm. now you're leaning this way. And then, so they're trying to figure out, but amongst themselves, but then like you said, trying to figure it out, um, of these, uh, four people, like, are they actually, um, for real or not? You know? So it's like, I like that there is at least multiple layers of the psychological drama going on. Yeah. Um, but the mystery itself and, Maybe, again, this is just because, like, of 
uh, really enjoying M. Night's films and kind of really under like, I feel like I have a good idea of how this guy's brain works sometimes. Yeah. And so like going in, like they, again, like this is the spoilers guys, uh, last chance, but like going in, I kind of thought to myself and this was without looking up anything about the book. I was like, you know what? Like, I think like M night is going to have the apocalypse in this movie. Cause that's just what he's going to do. Like, sure. like the, the apocalypse is totally going to be real. Well, beyond so, that, like, even it's also like in, uh, like in part of the trailers too, like you see like the wave, that scene, like the tsunami scene, like in one of the trailers, which I know some people were kind of like, Hey, what the fuck? <laughs> like it's a little spoilery, isn't it? So even if you've not seen Shyamalan's movies, if you saw a trailer for this film, I think that does kind of remove some of that mystery. Yeah. So I was like, so I was like, I was already leaning that way. So I was like, I guess I wanted the movie to make it to work a little harder Mm -hmm. uh, for me to doubt the people like really like play into like, you know, like kind of, I wish there were just like, you know, them kind of working to bring up more discrepancies between their stories or the time differences, you know, like they didn't, they like kept mentioning the time differences, but then they didn't really go into it on like, Mm -hmm. Oh, is this actually live? Are you um, going off of like some like pre-recorded, you know, whatever stuff sure. like that. So it's like, I guess I wanted the movie to work a little bit harder to, to provide that mystery to me because I was already kind of leaning into, uh, I'm pretty sure M Knight's going to do it. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he's the person that's going to go, Oh no, the apocalypse wasn't real. Yeah. Um, you know, but I guess that is again on me as a, um, the way that I watch his films. Yeah. I think it's also noted noteworthy that like this, not being a book, you kind of are remove some of the storytelling devices that you're able to have in a novel. Uh, and I know that the book hops between perspectives. Uh, it's not entirely, entirely first person in just this one character the whole time. It, there's different chapters and they oh, come okay. from different I didn't point. see that part. Okay. Yeah, it comes from different point of view. So I think there's seven chapters and each chapter is like a different person because uh, there's the four horsemen and then the, the three members of the family. So each chapter in the book goes to a different point of view. And I think with that, you are kind of removing that inner monologue and what's going on with these characters. And so some of that depth that you were feeling that maybe this movie was lacking could have been be provided in that where you are really able to get inside their head and, and see more than just kind of mm-hmm. waiting for the next sacrifice to happen. I think that's particularly felt with the win character um, because I feel like in the book, there might be a little bit more for her to do or even get to see her psychologically kind of how she's handling the situation in the book. But in this, she's kind of just there for a lot of it. And like, it's her role is literally just like cover your ears, you know, like that's really all she does. She runs away at one point, but is immediately taken back. Like that sequence I thought was going to last a little bit longer. Um, but it's really, really brief. Um, so yeah, I feel like the, the film and, and I, I've seen it quite a few people saying that like the, pacing i guess would like to put a point on it is an issue for them or just lack of variety perhaps um i've seen that it is an issue for a lot of people and i do feel that that is something that specifically is just if you're going to adapt this from a book you have to consider that rather than just having the plot points in dialogue you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's something that you really have to be creative about when you're adapting something is okay well it's a book it's not just they kill these people and then the thing is over you have to think of well how are we going to tell the story in a way that is substantive and they do have those flashbacks and something which we can we can discuss but yeah i understand for a lot of people just maybe not quite enough yeah and that was gonna be the point that i brought up was like maybe 
because I guess like the flashbacks was their attempt to like kind of address some of these yeah. uh, point of view things. But then we're only getting it from the family. I feel like if we would have gotten flashbacks from the horsemen, then that would have made, you know, created a little bit more doubt or like seeing, you know, seeing the things from their point of view yeah. maybe would have altered the way I would have seen the situation and been like, oh, OK, like like this is they're they're doing like because, you know, we hear about them that they apparently you know, they were having dreams, they were having drawings, and then they, like, found each other via message board, and then yeah. that day was, like, the first time they, like, actually, like, met or whatever. So it was yeah. just, like, okay, so, like, maybe seeing the different flashbacks of, like, how each of the, you know, horsemen found their way to that to yeah. that point, I think could have added in um a, a little bit more to the yeah. whole situation. It's, it's not necessary for me to see how they, like, uh, <laughs> met each other, but I was curious of, like, they said they found each other on a message board, but like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, did they just Google people having visions or like look that exactly. up on Twitter? Like, I like hashtag having visions. You're like, oh yeah, me too. Like, I I was very curious about that. Exactly. Of like, how did these people meet each other? Did they have a vision of their phone number and they texted them? Like, I don't. It's again, it's not super important. It doesn't really matter. But that was something that I was a little curious about. I mean, it doesn't matter, but maybe it could have again like broken up some of um these things to like, especially like. Because then when you're doing this and you're doing it for so many different characters, mm -hmm. it kind of keeps the the timeline like a little uh, gives it a, uh, keeps it a little bit more lively versus yeah. like uh, for the pacing for me, it was like it felt a little repetitive. It was just like, OK, we get the choice. We get the thing. The reveal. And then we're going yeah. to get, get a flashback. Yeah. You, know, you guys are crazy. And then. Yeah. yeah and then we're going to. Sure. OK, let's turn on the TV. I mean, they rinse and repeat that for like pretty yeah. much each one. Yeah. And um, and so the the pacing did kind of uh, get me a little bit in that way. Yeah. And I think that there are other ways that you could include things because I, I I think it's pretty obvious that M. Night is willing to be pretty liberal with the text and doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. feel the need to stick to a lot of that so that maybe include some other characters who might not be in the book. For example, there's like a wide shot early on of the cabin in the woods and there's like a, a neighboring cabin, like really just like quite off frame. You see like another window to another cabin. So maybe, you know, they fire off a gun and this other person comes in and these people who aren't, you know, normally killers now have to make this sacrifice. You know, like it's not again, I, 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 I'm not frustrated that this thing didn't specifically happen of the neighbors, but I think it's generally more of like, how are you going to break up the monotony in a way that a book might allow a bit easier? And I just don't know if the flashbacks offer enough depth beyond mm -hmm. they're a gay couple and one of their parents wasn't super approving. They got beat up at a bar, something that we already knew about given like dialogue in the film and they adopted their daughter, something that we again can kind of, infer uh, mm -hmm. uh so yeah i just don't know if the flashbacks i i think they are necessary but i don't think the scenes that we do see really provide that much more than something that you could kind of infer you know yeah yeah because i would say like uh the adoption scene like what it, it didn't really feel like it added much to it aside from like well yes they were very happy that they adopted yeah. a daughter good like and yeah i would assume so <laughs> i mean i guess there was like the little bit in that scene where it was like that one that they had to pretend that they weren't a gay couple yeah 
but then I'm like, is that still a thing right now? Like, are people having to? I mean, I know adoption is a tough whole process, and sure. like, you know, but um, but again, like, yeah, it didn't didn't seem to provide as much context, but um, so they could have, yeah, maybe uh, changed uh, what we are kind of flashing back to a little bit more. Sure. Um, but I will say the as far as like the pacing goes, like the first the first 20, 25 minutes, like I was so in, like those, sure. like those that first act is like very tight the way that it is set up, like. Um, you know, b- uh, bringing in this atmosphere and just like, and um, you know, one thing that people kind of criticize M Night for that I think is actually like for the most part really good in this is the dialogue, like the conversations and the 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 and the dialogue actually work out really well. Yeah, they they flow really nicely, and then of course like Batista, you know, delivering these these uh you know in this very calm demeanor juxtaposing his look like yeah. everything about like this intro especially like the intro with him uh meeting when at the beginning and catching the grasshoppers like it's obviously very tense cuz you're like it's yeah. this guy with this child like at any point this could go terrible you know sure. um so it's like i really like uh the the setup for the movie and like and we you know we see the the dynamic um, you know, between the family a little bit more later, but I like that we are like literally just like hop right in and like the tension is like kind of laid yeah. out like from the get go. Yeah, I think the dialogue is also is like you had mentioned something that M Night is has struggled with in the past. Um, and I think for here beyond, and I'm not I'm, I'll, I'll mince words because I I try not to be one of those people. I just think the the young performer in this one, I, it's kind of difficult to tell if it's a dialogue thing or if it is the performance. I will just say the character of Wynn in a lot of different regards didn't super work for me. I know it's a kid, so I'm not going to like rag on this kid for its performance. Uh, but also the dialogue, I think, in these early scenes wasn't my favorite. But for the rest of the movie, I thought was great. And I think Petit- <laughs> Batista especially just continues to be proven as like a really strong actor and not just like this action hero, you know, WWE wrestler with no, little to no range. I think he continues to prove that he's super talented. He's a, he's a character actor stuck in a wrestler's body. For sure. Which is yeah. so, which is, he's <laughs> talked about recently. He like wants to do rom-coms and like other things that you wouldn't necessarily expect, which I think would be great. Like I would love to see that, but I think Batista is also casted super well because uh, apparently Leonard in the book is also described as like being a big person. Um, and I think that Batista is really somebody that does have this, like not only like calm demeanor, but like this real gentle side to him too. Like I, he seems like incredibly kind and sweet and nice. And I think that that is portrayed like immediately, which contributed to me at least for like the sense of mystery of mm-hmm. like, I kind of believe him that I don't think that he is here because he wants to be, maybe he does believe this whole thing to be true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually happening. You know, mm-hmm. I think that really contributed for myself that, it's really is this nice juxtaposition because he does have this really soft kind of performance. It, it also seems really like I don't want to be doing this, but I the choice has been removed from me. So I think Batista was like that was really inspired. Casting. Oh, yeah, I think I think that is that was the most interesting part between his performance and uh, the, the gal that plays Sabrina, where they do both kind of have this like, um you know, this reluctance that they truly believe what's going on. But yeah. then also are you know, don't want to be doing what they're doing. And I mean, there's, you know, such, such little nuances to like Batista's performance, even just like the way he like, kind of like, he like shrinks his shoulders like forward and in Mm -hmm. like he's a small person, like, like he's like trying to make himself small because he is aware of, you know, his appearance and his size and whatnot. 
And, uh, and I really like that, you know, and he, you know, only yells in the movie like twice. And like mm-hmm. when he does, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to yell. Like, yeah, he like he, he's really good. And uh, and like you said, like uh, just like this, uh, this first interaction with when at the beginning, I thought was really great. I thought the little gal that plays when I thought she was good. I think, um, like you said earlier, maybe that her character kind of gets less and less to do as the film goes along, mm-hmm. which makes sense because uh, there's a reason she doesn't do as much in the book. Right. Um, you know, so it's like, but then, okay, like if you're going to have her in the movie for the, for the whole thing, then like we need to uh, give her a little bit more to do. And for I thought, sure. I thought like maybe that beginning, like, you know, you see like the inside of her notebook and like her, like, cataloging these grasshoppers and it's like okay so she's super smart and maybe like she's gonna like uh like i don't know like do anthropology on these people to like learn <laughs> learn things about sure. them or something like yeah. i don't know like like uh you know i thought they were setting her her like intelligence up to be a yeah. factor and it ends up not the only thing i thought was interesting with her character beyond just kind of that initial scene is the character of leonard who is this kind of like youth basketball coach as well as being a teacher he he makes a comment and says that like you have to be careful with what you say around children because they'll believe whatever you say and then at the end of the film when when is like hiding in the treehouse she says like did dad save the world you know so i thought that that was an interesting thing that you don't really get to see a lot of and that was like almost a reveal in and of itself is that she believed all of this stuff was happening she didn't think that these people were lying she actually felt like they had to make this this terrible choice to prevent the apocalypse which which i did think was interesting so it's also as good of a time as any to discuss like what happens with the kid in the book so from what i understand uh there Mm -hmm. is a scuffle that happens between the dads and the the horsemen um, I think it does happen in the movie uh, in that bit where they it's like the, break it, free from the chairs. I I would mm-hmm. assume it's that part. Well, it's the it's the part after um it's the part after air or after uh, Andrew goes and gets the gun from the truck. So it's right. it's around that part, and they have him scuffle with Sabrina yeah. a little bit in that right. scene. Yeah. So there is this scuffle that happens, uh, and the gun goes off and kills Win, like kills the little girl. However, it's it doesn't it's not like okay you sacrificed the the person the end it's still a problem because it wasn't like an agreed upon sacrifice this person just kind of got Mm -hmm. caught in the line of fire and so now it's these two fathers who have to make the decision and to kind of spoil the rest of the book they don't end up killing each other and they just like live in the Mm -hmm. apocalypse so for me I understand that I think it's Universal that's making this. I understand that Universal isn't like super gung ho on making a movie where a child dies halfway through it <laughs> in like this brutal death and then their d- dads are just holding her corpse in their arms for the rest of the movie. I understand that. I think a couple of things though. For one, if you are going to make that choice to save the daughter, have her play more of an active role in the movie rather mm-hmm. than it just seeming not cowardly, but really just seeming like an appeasing sort of we don't want to traumatize this is a mainstream movie it's not you know some neon this isn't speak no evil or something Mm -hmm. like that you know so i understand the hesitancy but if you're going to be gun shy make it pay off creatively and then beyond that we'll, we'll talk about it more in the ending i think that bleak tone is like 
not completely abandoned, but it's exchanged for something that is just like in the other direction to where this movie mm-hmm. ends like it, the book sounds like it ends like really fucking bleak mm-hmm. and which isn't a requirement for me. But this movie ends so sincerely that it's almost like bordering on saccharine. Like it's, it is so like sunshiny rainbowy tied off in a neat bow mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work for me. It's very, Personally. it's very odd. All of it is very odd. Yes. Cause I feel like when I saw these book differences, I was like, these were like literally all my problems. Yeah. Like, or these are the solutions to like all the problems I had in this film, because again, it would have broke up the repetitive nature of it. Um, it would have, um, because again, I kind of had, you know, setting the stakes in my mind watching this. And again, I'm thinking of M Knight's career. He is never shy about putting, you know, kids or teens in peril, but he does not kill them. He, he will put them in danger, but he won't kill them. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, is M. not going to kill this kid? Mm, probably not. He's got like four kids himself. He's a big dad guy. So sure. I, I was like, I doubt it. So in my mind, I was already thinking, okay, so it's going to be between the two dads who's going to sacrifice themselves. So mm. it watered down the tension that way. Yeah. But, um, and again... We, we joke about, you know, we love when you kill kids in a movie. <laughs> and it, again, uh, putting emphasis on the in a movie part. We, yeah. we don't like uh, killing kids, but in a film, it does um, have a purpose and can alter stakes dramatically. Mm-hmm. Like if you are willing to uh, kind of do that, um, you know, so um, it, it kind of made it a little bit more predictable. But again, I was also like, they should have killed the kid. Like, <laughs> they kill a kid. And then because it does add in like that extra moral quandary that then that they have later, because whenever it's like in the book that even though when uh, gets killed, since she didn't willingly sacrifice, it didn't count. Yeah. And so that would radically change, you know, the way that Andrew and Eric are approaching this situation. Sure. You know, and I think that they just don't really have a reason for that mm-hmm. um, it, throughout the film other than like the whenever it's revealed that like Redmond was the the guy that um, yeah. attacked uh, Andrew that's really the only thing that like kind of um puts any kind of like more doubt in their mind yeah uh, versus if like this happened you know then then that kind of puts the whole situation like in the air again yeah and again kind of going towards the the book differences from what i understand the the character of Redmond who also i just want to like add Rupert Grant Glad to see him. I thought his performance was really funny, like not even in a bad way. I love that his character shows up in this and is just immediately like fucking annoyed. I wouldn't be surprised if he was drunk because he knows that he's the first one to go. And I I love that mm-hmm. he shows up and he's like, well, they're not going to say yes. So I'm going to fucking die. Like, I love that he just shows up as just mad as hell. But anyway, with with his character, Redman, from what I understand, the book keeps it a little bit more like unsure of you don't necessarily know for sure if he was mm-hmm. the guy involved at the bar. It's like not necessarily as, as clean as this movie is to where he literally finds his ID and he's like, yep, that's the fucking guy, you know? And I think that sense of um, unsure kind of vagueness uh, or, you know, open-endedness, I think really could have benefited this movie in a lot of different regards. And uh, I, we can continue to talk more about it, but I think that was overall kind of my biggest issue with the movie is I feel like it's so afraid to have any sort of open-ended kind of you know really again and kind of invite that imagination with the audience that everything is 
stated very plainly the movie ends with like a happy no in that oh we saved the day kind of thing which i think is something that again i don't expect universal studios to kill a child like uh you know halfway through this movie but it, like exchanging that for this kind of like happy sunshiny sort of ending I just don't know if if it's even just a, as creatively of an interesting mm-hmm. choice for me. I mean, yeah, apparently the book in general just kind of has this like pessimistic mood to it. And I can see that, um, it, you know, that's why the the director would like have the re- uh, reaction that he had. Or the, because, the writer of the book. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, I keep saying director, the, the writer. Um, because, yeah, after he saw and he goes, I have some mulling to do. My head is spinning. But early verdict is the movie and performances are great. Yeah. Um. So I think him. That's him kind of grappling with like. Sure. You kind of took like a a key element of my thesis here, yeah. and like you know on like what was there, and uh, in M Night basically said, "Hey, why don't you take that frown and turn it upside down?" A hundred percent is yeah. what he did, and because like the the one the one um scene of dialogue that I will criticize for the movie is the the scene. Or one of the final scenes after, um, you know, it is revealed that, um, you know, Batista kills himself. He's the last one. And yeah. he goes, you guys only have a few minutes to, to figure it out. Brutal. And they have this, like, spinning conversation. Eric and Andrew going back and forth on, like, you know, trying to decide and all these things. And it is so awful. They yeah. try to cram in so much into this like little exchange. Yeah, it's literally like, hey, guys, in case you weren't uh, up to speed up to this point, this is what's going on. And it's you like know. you had the whole movie to to flesh these things out with yeah. like because I wanted to see like, you know, the I wanted to see more conflict, you know, between Andrew and Eric of um, kind of acknowledging like, OK, we know each other so well that like I know how you're seeing this situation. Yeah. Like Andrew knows like in it, like Andrew already knows that, like, oh, Eric believes this. Like I, I kind of I, like yeah. which I think Jonathan Groff does a good job at portraying. Ooh, I think I, Andrew's better. Than, well, I think they're both good, <laughs> but I think uh, Groff's performance is a little bit more understated and it's beyond just he had a concussion. So he's like kind sure. of quiet for a lot of the movie. I think you really can see him as a performer portraying the sense of like, he's kind of mulling it over and like, you can really see like the wheels turning in his head of like, Oh man, maybe these people actually do have a point. And, and uh, like to the point that uh, his partner is even like, Hey, are you still with me? Kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm still here. Like I, I felt like that was something that like is kind of like really just Jonathan Groff's performance uh, and something that would be, like lost in like a lesser performance. I I thought that that was really uh, great that he was able to convey that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's solid, but I kind of wanted a little bit more just because I you know I'm familiar with Jonathan Groff. I know what he's capable of, and yeah. he's capable of a lot more than what you he wanted. Was a doing big song and dance number is what you're saying. And no, <laughs> and even the one song uh, scene we get, we don't get him to. You're get, right. We do belt, get one. <laughs> we get one, but he doesn't like belt out for a minute. I was like, come on, come on, hit that run. Shout I know out you, boogie shoes. You know what I'm saying? I know you wanna. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I so it's like I kind of wanted. A little more of that, a little bit more of, like you said, like in the book, it's a bit more ambiguous if Redmond is O'Bannon, the same guy that yeah. assaulted uh, uh, assaulted Andrew. And I, again, because that would kind of uh, add in just like a little more wrinkles to it. And another big change was, um, uh, well, they kind of did it in the movie, but they still tweaked it in the book. Uh, Sabrina uh, kind of has doubts about the whole situation. Yeah. And then she ends up inevitably like trying. She ends up helping Eric and Andrew, um, even though she does still kill herself. But like she starts having more doubts to the 
to the cause of the horsemen. And so if we would have gotten that here in the movie as well, one of the horsemen, uh, you know, doubting the situation that would have, again, uh, brought a little bit more balance to the mystery of like, is this real? Is this not? Because like yeah. pretty much all the horsemen were down the entire time. And For were sure. just like, you know, very steadfast. And so I was like, yeah, it's making it kind of hard to believe that they're lying. You know? Yeah. To, yeah, especially because, like, we, we do see Sabrina, like, helping out in, like, a medical sense, but mm-hmm. like, her resolve is still pretty clear. Like, she's not happy about it, but she, it also, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that, like, would be a, another note of mine is, like, if you're not opposed to, like, changing radical plot points that happen in the book, like, do it in a way that didn't just seem, like, I'm not going to call him Night Shyamalan a coward, uh, but do it in a way that isn't just kind of gun shy on having these maybe upsetting moments in the movie and do it in a way that is like, okay, well, if you're, if you're, if that's on the table and we can shuffle some stuff around or add or subtract new scenes, like do it, you know, have new character interactions. Cause I just don't think it's done enough to the degree that it's like really is super interesting, you know, to me, it's still kind mm-hmm. of just like, I, I can see the repetitiveness of just kind of waiting for the next sacrifice to happen. And in between it's mostly character durations that are, or interactions that are kind of the same. I was like, so bored at a point. I didn't even see Adrian's like sacrifice happen. It happened so fast. <laughs> like I was just like, Oh yeah, she's gone because I also like, like we didn't get much of like anything yeah. out of her character from it. Uh, in that one but yeah like if you're gonna if you're not like you said if you're gonna change the plot points and like um and and again like i won't say he's a coward either but this does feel very safe and i don't and and again this could be um this is a more known ip they also this was a 20 million dollar budget a little bit more than you know the previous two films like you know um the visit was done for like less than three. And then yeah. I think split was only done for like five and a half or something like that. So sure. it's like, I would say um, some of that also is probably the cast too. And there's also like quite a lot of special, sure. special effects towards the end of the movie. I would say that's most of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but you know, so, uh, I, I do, uh, I do like, um, you know, what he does add though to it, you know, cause what he does add to the story is obviously like some of uh, his, uh, visual motifs, his camera work, um, just the imagery. Uh, you know, whoever designed those weapons, I think are super cool. Yeah. They all look fucking like weird and like you know, dangerous, like, and, like dangerous yeah. makeshift and like uh, just like felt kind of odd. And yeah. So so I did enjoy that. Apparently, and, those came to them in a vision too. They're like, we made the weapons like we were supposed yeah, to. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah. Which I yeah, a, a very interesting detail. And then um. And then I do like um, just uh, some of these, uh, you know, the way that they displayed some of these apocalyptic events of just like like the 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 shot where we get the wide shot and you just see like eight planes just like falling out of the sky. It's yeah. just like very eerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like some of these imagery. Yeah, the the whole apocalypse scenes I thought were creative in a way of like like the plane specifically saying like you have like these biblical passages where like glass will fall from the sky and then showing that as airplanes I think is is also like really effective uh, really creepy uh I think the 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 wave bit was was pretty cool I didn't love and this is just like a movie thing uh, and it's a total gripe I didn't love how it's like first person and then like the person gets killed and it's like how are you uploading this video to the news you know what I mean unless this was a live stream like it's just stuff like that it's again it's I mean a literally the end of thing, the, like but... literally the end of the wave video was like the phone like underwater floating around it's like wait yeah, then how like, <laughs> I'm gonna click upload before I die you know stuff like that it's it's, it's totally uh, uh inconsequential but yeah mm-hmm. i think the 
a lot of the apocalypse stuff too. And uh, I do want to talk about like the kind of the, some of the final choices that are made in the movie. But I think that kind of, again, some of that mystery could have been uh, uh, still kind of maintained uh, because like you were talking about, they do have that conversation of like, you can prevent this. I'm uh, Leonard is dead now, but you still have a few minutes to prevent this. I think the movie could have ended with that bleak ending without killing the kid, but just have it end like three minutes earlier because the whole diner scene was just not it for me. It was like two of the worst scenes in this movie are right at like next to each other. And they're both at the very end of the film, the diner, scene where they go and somebody just calls a loved one they're like i love you i'll be home soon you know and they're like oh the cases have fallen and we haven't had a sick person in hours and planes are playing and again you know it's just like so ridiculous and i just would have liked really if end on them just driving away and there's like still fires happening in the forest Mm -hmm. and so you're left wondering of like did they do it in time was that for nothing you know Mm -hmm. but you can still have this sort of you know, cinematic litmus test of how optimistic are you of a person or how you pessimistic are you as a person? Are you cynical and think that they didn't do it in time and the apocalypse is still going to happen and their sacrifice means nothing? Or are you optimistic and think that, no, they actually did save the day? You know, I thought that that would be kind of this interesting, a mystery in and of itself, you know, but having it just kind of Shyamalan being like no don't worry guys they did it the the town is saved you know it's just kind of like all right that's just not very interesting to me no you're right we 100% still could have had a bleak ending if you just literally cut that diner scene like because I I would have it it would have it would have uh improved the ending for me significantly if it at least did that of being like okay yeah you still don't know if it because yeah how like he never said because uh, he literally just says, yeah, you have a few minutes. Yeah. You don't know how long that was. Yeah. So it's like uh, it would have been nice to like kind of have that. And I also um, I wish they kind of would have spent a little more time on the struggle, too, of, you know, this idea. Like maybe or like maybe uh, Andrew would have been like convinced earlier in the movie a little bit. And then when they have that debate of like. Like, oh, they don't deserve it. Like, for us to make a sacrifice to, like, save everyone else. Like, yeah. they, the world hates us. Like, all these things. And and then, like, uh, Eric is just like, no, no. Like, you know, it is worth it. It's worth it for you. It's worth it for our daughter. And think of all these things. And Andrew's just like, yeah, okay. Uh, pop. For so sure. it's like, uh, yeah. we didn't really get that struggle. Of, yeah. Because they did try to kind of have that in throughout the film of it being like, you know, are, are they, you know, because one of them is one of the guys that assaulted Andrew. So, like, is he just a bigot that like kind of got in with these people but the other people are better at hiding it you know is that part of it and and uh this idea of like yeah like when you think of yourself like would you make that choice you know and like i think they because i i mean you know everyone wants to say that like of course like i i I would but like if they would have kind of spent a little more time to show like the true human reaction that like kind of andrew did have like you know like do people deserve it you know and and but then also like when you think to yourself like well, how realistic like would you really you know knowingly give up the world like if it meant you know yeah that you're you know, preserve your love so it's like they they he didn't want to spend time with the struggle of any of that he just kind of wanted to put his interpretation of like no life is worth it so here you go so I'm gonna give you 
my feelings of it, but he didn't really leave room for us to give our own feelings on it. Yeah, I don't feel like the audience was really given an opportunity to kind of mull that over yourself of is humanity worth saving? And again, kind of offer this audience almost this kind of litmus test of do you think like or do you have the more cynical point of view of like burn it all to the ground? Humanity's fucked, you know, because I think especially after the past few years that we've had. I think also like the movie acknowledges those past few years, like one of the main like waves of this, you know, uh, apocalypse that we see is disease. The other one is like this horrible like weather phenomenon, which is something that we see all the time now with like climate change. So Mm -hmm. I think that there really is this like real world application to where like, you know, I think a lot of folks thought that like we were in the end times, you know, and in 2020 and like humanity's fucking we had a nice ride, you know, like here it is. Like, I I think that that's something that a lot of people were kind of thinking of or at minimum felt like like lost a lot of faith in humanity. I know like I certainly did to a degree of like during the pandemic, just being, you know, beside myself with how stupid and inconsiderate other people can be. Mm -hmm. So like providing that to the option or providing that to the audience or at least having this exploration of those ideas and seeing this movie kind of work it out and then confirm at the end, like, no, humanity is worth saving. Like this is something, uh, you know, that I think is, important if if M. Night is making that statement again allow the audience to have that conversation because the characters start off and they're like no staunch no the whole movie and at the very end they're like yeah okay you know like it's just yeah. it's, it's not fully explored yeah for me. I'm, I'm not saying that M. Night is obligated to make some sort of statement on what's going on in the past few years yeah but it's just kind of hard to believe that that isn't what's behind it considering like I would assume that's a big reason that the book caught on you know at the time that it did because yeah. People were feeling these real things and, you know, this this bitterness towards, you know, humanity, like like when you said and you really saw like you you would assume that like when shit got bad that people would kind of band together and then we saw like sure. you know a glimpse of that and people were you know turning and being inconsiderate as hell. So it's like I feel like that is why, you know, the story could be so resonant versus um so so I'm not saying he's obligated to to say something about it, but felt like he wanted to or yeah. didn't, or I don't know. It, it, it was kind of frustrating that, um, in, in a way, I feel like just the these changes that he did make just uh, kind of neutered uh, the the story and the themes for me a little bit. Yeah, and to kind of uh, fold that into our final thoughts, I, I felt like that mixed with the the sheer lack of ambiguity with the movie make it just not as impactful as it can be. I know I've talked a lot like negatively about the film. I still enjoyed the movie. I think it's like directed really well. I think the score for the movie is like so great. It's like really nostalgic and is like this very tense, like orchestral kind of Hitchcock, you know, kind of uh, reminiscent score. I think it's really terrific. It's like Mm -hmm. actually one of the same. And the way that it was like mixed into, like it would come in quietly and like rise up as well. Like yeah, yeah, the the sound design score were fantastic. Really interesting. And I think that there's a lot of like points that are kind of brought up, but they're just not addressed fully. And I think that there is just kind of this like lack of living up up to like the potential uh, of this movie. Cause I think that there is a lot of there, not just the book, but just like what we are presented with in this movie itself, even removed from the book. I just don't think that the ideas are and even the character interactions are like explored enough fully or the character interactions are, you know, one line, like a passing moment to where we kind of have to fill in the blanks. And some of that works. Like there's a scene where, 
they talk about um, uh, one of the fathers is like talking to the daughter and he's like, I'll give you a nod and do what you did at Thanksgiving. And like, that is an interesting kind of like, Oh, interesting. What happened at Thanksgiving? Were they at this family interaction to where they had to like formulate this, get out of jail free card with her. And mm-hmm. she's going to fake throw this tantrums tantrum so they can go. Cause family's being weird about them being like this gay yeah. couple, you know, stuff like that. I think is great, it, but it's just not quite enough to like have me really, one invested with these characters or two also feeling like they feel and mulling over the thought of is humanity worth saving? Is it not worth saving? You know, I I just don't think it's, it's a lot to chew on. And I think that the movie is like barely doesn't really have the appetite for it. Um, And I do think that the film kind of exchanges some of those bleaker, darker, maybe more pessimistic themes in the book. And if Shyamalan doesn't want to convey a pessimistic message, if he's like, we've had a lot of pessimism in the past few years, like let's have a little bit of optimism. I think that's totally fine. I just don't think that the creative choices that he makes in exchange are just as interesting, uh, just kind of straight up. So yeah, for me, um, out of, uh, what are we rating this? Out of five grasshoppers yeah, uh, for five me, grasshoppers. this is out of three and a half out of five grasshoppers. However, I do think, unfortunately it does have the potential of going down for me. Usually it's the opposite where it's like, no, I liked it. I think I can like it even more. I think this was one that I think upon a rewatch or something might go a little bit down for me, but I liked it. I'm just trying not to think about it too hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I feel like, yeah, I've been kind of a little negative on it and, and I wouldn't say I disliked it, but I definitely didn't enjoy it all that much either. Um, I just kind of didn't feel either way about it. And when it comes to some, a film with this kind of premise, like it, it, you don't have to do much to make me feel something about it. And the fact that I didn't, um, it, you know, wasn't kind of swayed either way. Um, you know, like it, it just, uh, uh, it felt very underwhelming in just a, in a lot of different aspects. Um, not only that, um, but, you know, the the I feel like the performances brought the characters to life more than the writing of the characters did. For and, sure, and and that could also tie into it too because this was this was uh, the the two other writers. They're the ones that wrote the script, and then whenever M Night got attached, he then did a pass on it. Interesting. So so it's uh, a you know a, a two uh, you know adapted twice in a sense. Um, so it's like you don't really know uh, where to kind of point the finger to like did was it M. Night, you know, because again, like maybe they did kind of write it with some, you know, changes to the source material because it was like um, on the blacklist as like one of the like most uh, sought after like unproduced scripts. So like maybe they did have teeth and then was it taken away or vice versa? Yeah. Who knows? Um, so it's a, a little messy there. But as far as like, you know, again, I can't knock this film on a technical level, you know, like some of the, the camera movements, uh, some of the way that these uh, conversations are are framed up, you know, um, you know, like they'll be like super close up, but then at a weird angle. Yeah. And then like then then those angles would like kind of keep shifting depending on how the conversation was going, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Or even, you know, following, you know, the, the axe swing down, you know, with the camera, like stuff like that. So um, definitely can't knock on that level. And I really did enjoy the score, like certain certain scenes. So uh, where like uh, the the like main scene where Leonard is like explaining the situation is like the the music behind it is just so mm-hmm. uh, like you know like temporal like it like just something about it made it feel uncanny and gave that apocalyptic feel to it. But um, you know I I, I also would have um liked a little more use of the cabin too um mm-hmm. as as far as a single location thriller goes. That very first scene of trying to keep them out was really fun. 
Um, I feel like we could have kind of had more set pieces within the cabin, like yeah. kind of utilizing it a little bit more. I didn't have a strong grasp on the layout yeah. the as, as I wanted to. basement's barely used. You got a basement, barely used it. Lot, yeah. Lots of stuff. It's like we, we used the bathroom and the living room, and that's like yeah. really about it in the yeah, in Sounds the movie. like me, you know, just bathroom <laughs> and the living room. That's all, that's where I stay. Yeah, yeah so, so I could have used a little bit more on uh, the single location thrills as well. Um, so, uh, you know, this movie, just out of frustration, underwhelmingness, but not knowing exactly where I can put that blame. I got this at a two and a half out of five totally grasshoppers. Fair. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we'll see where, where I fall on a rewatch of it. But honestly, I knowing what the book did and knowing that all those choices are better, like yeah. just like all of them, like should have killed when should have, yeah. you know, left ambiguity for the ending with, yeah. uh, you know, it, it just all those things um, yeah. contributed to the, to the things that we were kind of the, the punch that was lacking in this one. Yeah. And I also, I think it's important to distinguish that. Like, it it sounds like you didn't watch this movie and be like, Oh, I really liked that. And then read that the book did something different. And you're like, Oh, I like the movie less now. It seemed like you watched this and were like, I didn't really love that. And then you saw the, what the book did and you were like, Oh, that's better. (laughs) Like you should have done that. (laughs) That's, that's exactly what I did. Like I came out going, I came, I, I like, I walked out and I was just like, I was sitting there and I was like, why was I so bored? Yeah, I, was I can't like, put my finger on I it. I go, what, what, like, what happened? And then, like, on the way home, I was looking at the differences. I go, oh, I was like, it, it, it that, like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, it was uh, that case. But uh, let's see what other movie we were thinking about while we were talking. Knock at the cabin. Alrighty, here on the Bloody Blunts, oh, not the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes playing a game called Movie Math. Uh, you guys know the rules, you just have to take a few movies, you can add them together, multiply, divide, subtract, whatever you want to do, uh, just has to equal a movie that we discussed today. Devon, are you ready for your equation? I do. Um, mine is pretty simple, looking at yours as well. Funny enough, none of our movies actually involve cabins. Uh, for the ones that we picked um (laughs) but um for mine i have a silent night which came out a couple years ago another Mm -hmm. apocalyptic uh film um that was very bleak and um it did a better job of maintaining that sense of mystery you know and um having these different conversations between the characters to really explore the different moral dilemmas that they're having in that situation Mm -hmm. um and the ending for that is a fucking heart breaker like oh my god like that movie is so good uh really tore me up um and kind of uh explored a lot of the same themes in this um i have it uh divided by panic room um as we have a mother and daughter trying to um you know fend off some some home invaders and um just kind of that that the 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 relationship between the mother and daughter in that one um kind of feels similar to uh the the family in this and uh it kind of being this uh, very simple kind of back and forth like checkers match um, with their captors that they're having. Um, so I divided it basically because like one, the you know, take out the Christmas elements, but then also kind of take out the, um, the, 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 the bite, the, 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 the actual sure. commentary that you're trying to have on the apocalyptic situation yeah. uh, at hand here. So, um, so Silent Night Divide by Panic Room. What do you got? I love it uh, that you... Uh, d- 
you specifically said a checkers match, not a chess match. No, of like, this no, was this, not a this, chess this, match. This is checkers for this, sure. <laughs> yes, like this was not chess. I read you loud and clear. Uh, for me, I had Ten Cloverfield Lane. Uh, I think they have similar kind of mysterious elements to them of like, hey, is this guy fucking crazy or is he full of shit? You know, um, or, or is he full of shit or is he actually like for real? And there is an apocalypse outside. Um, also a single location uh, thriller where somebody is kind of kept there against their will. Um, you have that, uh, and I have that divided by The Strangers uh, for a few reasons. Uh, the Strangers is also a single location thriller, like out in the woods to where you have these people who are just kind of there, uh, and then these people just kind of show up and just like come into their domain, you know. Uh, there's the, They don't really have a kind of a reason for that. That's kind of one of the appeals of The Strangers, uh, but I think that... Yeah, I, I think uh, with the mysterious elements and kind of the the moral questions uh, presented within Cloverfield Lane, divided by kind of like the the setting and kind of the the vibe of the mm-hmm. strangers a little bit, uh, I I think that uh, kind of results in what we see here. Yeah, because um, with because taking it out of the setting of uh, the strangers, because the strangers kind of have you know the more malicious intent versus again in this one, it's like they don't. I mean, they have malicious intent, but not you know because yeah. of their personal feelings yeah. about it um so yeah so yeah we got a, a good little smattering of single location thrillers that you could choose uh to watch um if you're in the mood after watching knock in the cabin but i am excited to uh go into the rest of this month because i think you know we got the we you know i wasn't expecting to dislike this one but yeah. glad that uh at least for me i got the the negative one out of the way and then yeah. the rest of the month we're gonna be uh it's gonna be all uh pride and joy yeah. for our for our sham hammer. Even though this wasn't like a home run for me, I'm still excited for whatever he's doing next. Oh, like I'm yeah, still like, yeah, I'll be there opening weekend. I'm excited. Always, you know? yeah. always. So um we're gonna be the next Shyamalan film we'll be talking about signs, but before that, next week is Valentine's Day and we got a little uh, special episode for you. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but Garrett, what are you working on right now? Uh, you guys can follow me on uh, Letterboxd, TikTok, or Twitter, just at Garrett McDowell. Uh, always talking about movies on one of those apps. But if you want to get some more podcast goodness, you can follow me at uh, Scum and Villainy Pod. Um, it's my uh, Star Wars podcast I host with my uh, buddy from college. Uh, got lots of stuff coming. Uh, new episodes every Thursday for now, but uh, normally Wednesdays. But uh, yeah, I'd love to have you guys over there. Yes, yes, y'all. Links in the show notes as always. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterbox at underscore Daddy Disco. Um, you can hear me on Hornblood Fire, did an episode on Excision over there on the podcast, which was super great. A very uh, emotional, vulnerable conversation, which I love to do. Um, and then over on Pod and Pendulum, we are wrapping up the Phantasm series. Um, and we will be hopping into the Purge franchise over there. So um, I will be... Um, we just uh, closed out. I was on the episode for Phantasm Ravager, and then I'll be on uh, some of the later episodes of the Purge franchise. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys. Stay lifted.